series called Silent Killer, and, and I'll just tell you what it is. I won't do the riddle that I've been doing the last couple of weeks, but the, the silent killer in, in your life and in my life, life is pride. Pride gets in the way, and, so, and, and we all know this. We all know, and we can all think of times when our pride got in the way. In fact, it'd be kind of fun. Like, well, maybe next Sunday I'll just be like, and let's, let's share that, you know, and just pass the mic around and, and see, see what we got. Um, and, and it's really a silent killer. But I also, uh, you guys helped me name the series the first week, Silent Killer. And I think, I think we did an okay job. I think we could do better. I, I, I'm torn because we keep coming back to this idea of putting a shoe on. Like uh, we could call it shoe store as well. Because uh, what I've been doing week after week is just like, hey, try this on. See if it fits when it comes to pride. See if you do these kind of things like I do or, or you know. Uh, and then we're also reading through Proverbs. I'm encouraging you to read the Proverbs. And, and when you read a proverb, it's kind of like a shoe that you can put on and see if it fits. And if it doesn't, then you move on to the next one. It's kind of all cards, kind of nice that way. Um, so we could have called it shoe store, but we're, we're committed to Silent Killer at this point. Um, and, and so honestly, I just want to dive in this morning with a statement. And I want you to try this statement on and see if it works. I, I it's, it's hard because I'm going to put it up on the board like it's truth, but I'm not sure if it's fully true. You'll see here in a second. Go ahead and just put that statement up. The only thing that God can't work with is pride. I think I do believe this. You, guys, you see how that might be, I'm, I'm hesitant a little bit because there's probably something else that God can't work with too. And maybe this is overstated, but I really, I want to stick with it and say, that the only thing, like, something that God has a really hard time working with in our lives is, is pride. Our pride. I mean, think about it this way. God can internally, he can work with our failures. He can work with our mistakes. He can work with sin. You know, like that whole Jesus thing on the cross, like Jesus came to die for our sins, so sin doesn't keep us and disqualify, none of these things disqualify us from the love of God, our, our failures, our mistakes, or even our sin. And let's just stop right there, pause right there for a second, and if you're coming to church feeling disqualified this morning, just go like this. <sighs> Take a deep breath and, and sigh and know that you're not, like, you're, like because of something you've done, if you're coming to church feeling disqualified because of something you've done this week, even, or in the past at all, that doesn't disqualify you. Because God loves you, and, and, and he's, got, he's figured out a way to take care of the things, the mistakes, the sin that you and I have in our lives. That doesn't disqualify us. The only thing that can really keep us, the only thing that he really can't work with is our pride. You know, he can work with our hardship. He can work with your bad boss, Right? I mean, how many of you have ever had a job where you like, like, had a bad boss and you were miserable and you're like, God, why is this this way? And then all of a sudden you get fired or you leave and it, like, the boss chases you out to something better. That kind of story happens all the time. We hear those kind of stories all the time. God can work through hardship, bad bosses. He can work through your parents or your adult children that are giving you a hard time. He can even work through your abuse. He can work through your misfortune, your bad family legacy. Those are not showstoppers for God. He can, he can work through those and redeem those. And we sometimes forget that. Like if you're in the middle of working through something very, very difficult in your life, 
it's actually good to remember there are stories where God was able to use difficulties similar to yours for, in good ways to bring about a good story at the very least. But let's go back to pride. It's, can you see how our pride could be really hard for God to work with? Because if we don't give him the space to work, if we say, you can't work with like God, I won't allow you to work through these hard things, then you can't work through. This is, this is like, this is what pride does. This is the best way, I think. The more we allow pride in our life to rule our life, the more our life starts to look like this. This is water. And this is oil. And you already know where this is going, right? Because oil and water don't mix, right? And the more that you and I allow pride to rule in our lives, the more our lives start looking like that, where we're here and they're over there. And they're the two to mix. And and here's the thing, I'm going to broaden, we're going to talk about our relationship with God and how pride gets in the way of our relationship with God today, but uh, primarily but we also, I just can't stay away from talking about other relationships as well because this is what pride does in every relationship is if we let pride rule in our lives, all of a sudden relationships start to feel like I'm over here and they are over there and, and we can't, there's something we can't get over. We can't get through. Um, and, and, and honestly, if here's a way to kind of test and see, that's, this is kind of test number one. If you have a bunch of relationships in your life where you're over there, or you're over here, and they're over there, and, and you can't mix anymore, pr- I, I promise you pride is at play on one or both sides. Now, it might be, and I want to call this out, it could very well be that there's a lot of pride happening over there, and not so much over here by you, but the, the other person in the relationship, yes, it's true that they might be very prideful, and that's what's causing the division. It's possible that's very, that like, like I, I, I've talked to many of you, some of you, I know your story, some of you know my story. I have some of that in my life, or I'm trying to, I'm like trying to get rid of the pride in my life to make up, for, to make this relationship work, and it's still not working because there's pride on the other side. But, but, but pride, this is, this is the hallmark, this is what happens in relationships when pride dominates on one or both sides. We're over here and they're over there and we can't mix. We can't figure it out. And, and that's one way to test. If you've got a bunch of relationships like that, I'm just, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but pride might actually be at work in your life more than you're giving it credit for. Here's another way to kind of test if, and see if you have pride in your life. You, there's certain statements that we start to say to the people that we love. Hey, I got this. Uh, no, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, someone's like, hey, I'm just checking in on you because I've heard that. No, no, I'm okay. Hey, it looks like that had to hurt what just happened. No, I'm okay. If you start saying, I got this, I'm okay. I, I know what I'm doing. You know, I can quit anytime. Those kind of statements where we just kind of, we shut the conversation down. It, or here's, a, here's another one. I, I have a hard time trusting people. I just have a hard time trusting people. Because, if, you know, if you knew my past, you would understand. And, and um, the truth is, 
if I did know your past, I probably would understand. And I would be like, man, I would have a hard time trusting people as well if that had happened to me as, as well. I, 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 the older I get, and the, when I look at people where I don't understand what's going, like, why, why, why are you living this way? Why are you acting this way? Why are you reacting this way? The closer I get to people, the, the more I understand why they're doing that, that what they're doing makes perfect sense to them. But if we're on this other side and we're saying, hey, I just have a hard time trusting people. I just have a hard time trusting people. I, you know, like, I don't like to get close to people because I just have a hard time trusting people. I'm, pride might be in your life. And then here's another one. If, if you find yourself saying this, they always, she never. He is just, he, every time he does blah, blah, blah. Honestly, you, it, it might be hard to be like, wait, 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 what does that have to do with pride? That could be pride. And here's why, here's why that's pride. Have you guys ever played the game Spades? Or any, really any Trump game? Any, any card game that has Trump in it? See, I'm from Wisconsin. Everybody played Trump games. So like, it's like what we do there because it's cold, like nine months of the year. So it's like we play cards and drink beer. But um, so I, I have to explain this. I can't just say, you know, a Trump game. Trump game, so in the card, Trump game spades, the cards that have the spades on them that look like this, if they're played in a hand, they beat every other card in the deck, including these ones that are like advertisements for the, <laughs> they beat spades, they, or they beat diamonds, they beat clubs, they beat hearts, no matter what, even if like the ace of heart is played against the two of spades, the spade trumps that. All of these statements, I got this. I'm okay. I know what I'm doing. I have a hard time trusting people. They always, she never. Those are trump cards. Those are game stoppers. They're show stoppers. They, they, you want to shut down a conversation? Just throw out one of those cards. Just, just, just throw out like, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't get close to people. Okay? I see where I'm at. But that's what happens. And here's the thing with trump cards. I was thinking about this in the prep. Trump cards are not a bad thing. Trump cards are actually, we, we need trump cards to get out of things that are unhealthy sometimes. Hey, I don't want to talk about this. I just need to leave. Trump card. And you need to say that when you need to leave. There are times in relationships where we need to leave the relationship. And we use trump cards, hopefully, if we're healthy enough to do it. That those types of statements, there's a time and the place for them, but it's not all the time. And, and one of the ways that you might recognize pride in your life is if you find yourself saying statements, and this is not an exhaustive list, list but pay attention to the way you interact with people this week. And if it, it ends up with divisions, with, with where like we, impasses, in fact, today's, um, today's sermon is called Stalemate. If you, if you find yourself in a stalemate this week relationally, that's your cue to be like, wait, why is this in stalemate? And is my pride playing a role in this at all? Do I think that I'm just in, and I can't trust people because nobody knows, and here's another one, nobody knows, can really understand what I've been through. That's a very isolating pride, and, 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 and what's sad is there's pride behind that. And the pride, honestly, you might say things like that because you're trying to protect yourself. You've been hurt before. 
But here's the thing, these statements, and this, this when pride rules in our lives, pride isolates, it insulates, and it separates. Eventually, we're alone. That's nowhere we want to be. None of us want to be there. And the beautiful thing is, and this is crazy to me, because we talked about the first week how pride, we see pride so easily in other people, but it's really hard to see in the mirror. And it grosses us out in other people. Doesn't it just like, ugh. We don't like seeing it in other people. Now imagine throwing God into the equation. Let's just say for the sake of argument that God is perfect. And that God created us and we, in pride, went against him. Like, like how gross pride must be. If it's gross to us, how gross is it to God? In fact, I, I've got Bible verses to back it up. Um, Proverbs 16.5, I don't think we have this one. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. That's Proverbs 16.5. The Lord detests all those who are proud of heart. He sees it. He doesn't like it. Uh, there's another proverb. Uh, th this is all the reasons. These are proverbs that, th that are reasons why God doesn't like pride. Pride goes before destruction. Proverbs 16.18. A haughty spirit, spiriti, before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. Like, 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 like if, you, if you grew up in church, you heard this, this phrase, you know, pride goes before the fall. You know, a proud spirit, like you get puffed up and, and you say, hold my beer. And the next thing that happens is you're on an Instagram reel and everybody's laughing at you, you know, because pride goes before the fall. Proverbs 3.34 this, speaking of God, he, God mocks, God, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. Uh, another uh, translation of that, um, that same verse is God opposes the proud. He literally stands against the proud. And if you read, if you just had these verses, you would think that God has some sort of um, prejudice against the proud. Like, why is he, like, he detests them. He, stand, you know, like the, he, he um, stands and opposes them. And if you only had that, you'd be like, God just is mean to those who are, have pride. And it's like, no, he's trying, but if you put the rest of the scripture in it, if you put the rest of the story to it, you start to see the reason he's so against it is because he loves us so much. Today's verse, where we're going to camp this, this morning, is in the New Testament. It's an interaction between Jesus and a guy who's wrestling with pride. And in that verse, as, as this interaction is unfolding... Through that time, Jesus shares the most, this guy gets to hear the most, um, what is it, the most popular verse in all of the Bible, which we all know to be, I mean, even if you didn't grow up in church, you know it's John 3.16. And what's, what's cool, the guy's name is Nicodemus, who is hanging out with Jesus, 
And Nicodemus is, if he's in heaven, he's like looking down in every football game. He's like, ha, I was there (laughs) with that that sign. John 3.16 or, you know. Uh, He's like, yeah, that was me. And what's cool is, is, is here, here's kind of the, the big idea for today, the, the principle for today coming into, like, like if we were to kind of boil down the Gospels, which is the four books that deal with the life of Jesus, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are all found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And one of the major themes there is humble people get the most out of Jesus. Like, 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 when it comes to, to who gets the most out of Jesus, out of the interaction, Jesus is, he's, he's, he's God living in, in, a, in human flesh, walking around, and everybody's, kind of, everybody's excited by this possibility. He's in a very religious culture in where, where people are like, this might be God. This might be the Messiah, what they called it, the Messiah. This might be the guy who's sent from God. Everybody's asking that question. And here comes Jesus in a very messianic, very messiah-like way, a very almost like a king, like he's about to lead his people. And everyone's like, oh, watch that. Oh, he's doing it. Is he going there? Is he going to say it? Is he, is he, what, he you know, what we think he might be? I hope so. Some are like, I don't think so. You know, all this. But everybody's kind of paying attention to see what he's really about and what's interesting is this guy who calls himself the son of God, which nobody really did. That was a very, like, I'm sorry, what did you just call yourself? I mean, I'm from God. And what's interesting per our conversation is, okay, how does somebody who's from God or is, you know, we believe is God, Jesus, relate to people with pride? You and I don't relate to it well. God's perfect. And he's up in heaven. He sees it all. If I was God, I, I don't think I would relate to it well. I'd be very indignant. But what's interesting is when you open the scriptures, is God, Jesus is there. And, and yes, the principle, that, that the overwhelming principle, the people who actually got the most out of Jesus were the humble. And yet, and yet, and we need to hear this, and yet, he still loved those who are full of pride. Oh my goodness. And if, you, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you're thinking through, just like I am right now, all of the instances where he could have just laid into somebody. He could have just put the hammer down and put them in his, their place, and he doesn't because he loves them. He loves them just as much as the humble. The humble get more out of him. When I, mean, when I say get more, they, they, they get healed. They get the most time with him. They get the most out of what he has to say. Like, oh, that makes sense. Because they're humble. They're, they're, they're like, what, you're from God. I'm not. What do you have to say? And they listen to him as opposed to nitpicking what he has to say. Well, that didn't, you know, that's not how we teach it. So the humble get the most out of what he says. They get, they get uh, the most forgiveness. <laughs> Because they're actually like, hey, I need forgiveness. <laughs> and they ask, son of, of God, would you forgive me? They get along with him. And then there's, so basically in the New Testament, there's two types of people. There are those who get along with Jesus and those who don't. And they're the two mix a lot. They're, they're really, they're, it's a really divided group of people that Jesus is interacting with. Nicodemus, this is so cool, guys. He's kind of right smack dab in the middle. He's a Pharisee, and the Pharisees 
carte blanche, especially in the beginning and throughout the Gospels, it changes a little bit, that they're against Jesus. They're the ones that actually hang him on a cross. In their pride, they're like, no, you can't be the Son of God, because if you were the Son of God, you would do X, Y, and Z. Have you ever done that? God, I'm really doubting you right now because my mom is sick and she's not getting better. And if if you're a good God, she would get better. God, why won't you answer my prayer? Why won't you just make yourself known like that? Okay, so if, just let me get this straight. If God doesn't make himself known, he's not, in the way you want, he's not real? Okay. Here's another, like, prideful one when it comes to God that I hear a lot. I'm just a rational person. And I just, I need more rational reason. Okay. I I guess, so I'm not a rational person. Okay, just, okay, cool. Because I believe in God. But it has to be rational the way that you define rational to be for you to come, okay? But this man, Nicodemus, it's interesting. Turn in your Bibles, actually. We're going to John chapter 3. Guys, what's cool about this um, interaction, this is one of the longer, if if not the longest interactions, conversations, heart-to-heart, one-on-one, face-to-face, coffee-to-coffee conversations that we have in the Bible. Uh, In the church Bible, once you get to John 3, shout out, somebody shout out the, um, the page number for us. 1064 in the church Bibles. What is it in my Bible? Does anybody know? Uh, Here it is. John chapter 3. And what we're going to find through this interaction, no, I don't want to tell you that yet. We're going to just read it. Let's go. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Keep in mind, this is the the same Jewish council ruling council that would cru- will crucify Jesus in like 17 chapters, okay? He came to Jesus at night, and, and if, uh, when I grew up in church, it was like he came at night because he was embarrassed. And it's possible that actually there's, there's two possible reasons why he went at night. One of them could be to save face, that he didn't want his colleagues and peers to know that he's going to talk to Jesus, that he's interested in what Jesus has to say, okay? That's option number one. If we wanted to give Nicodemus the benefit of the doubt, it is also possible that he wanted to come to Jesus to talk to him at night so he could get a longer conversation with him, okay? So, that, I mean, we don't, it doesn't say, but we know, but what we do know is he did come at night. Rabbi, we know, and th- this is, guys, I, lo- I love, this next statement is so political, Again, in the, in the New Testament, you have two types, there's only two types of people in, in the Gospels, uh, in the first four books. Those who get along with Jesus and those who don't. You're going to see Nicodemus just go right down the middle right now. Watch this. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one can perform, and here's the reason why we know you're from God. No one can perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Period. No question mark. He just says, this is my opening statement. <laughs> I, think, I think you're from God. Most people are like, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal my son. Can, can you please do this? 
Or on the other side, they're like, Jesus, we don't, we don't buy it. Can you do another miracle? You know what I mean? For the two different people. Nicodemus is kind of smack dab in the middle of this. And, and here's, here's who, here's, for, for, this is who today is for, the type of person. If you're in the room, and you kind of find yourself somewhere in the middle, when it comes to this whole idea of faith, when it comes to this whole idea of church, like, like you're, not the, you're not like against it, you're not the naysayer, you're not an atheist, you're not like, well, that's, you know, dumb. But you're also not like, woohoo, Jesus, yeah! You know, you're just, you're just not sure yet. Today's for you. Because what we're going to see, and this is what I love about Jesus, is, yes, humble people get the most out of Jesus. And just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show my hand here. I'll, I'll put the cards on the table and say, I want to move you in that direction. My, my prayer for all of us today is to become more humble so that we get more out of Jesus. Okay? Full disclosure. But if you're not quite there yet, I want you to see Jesus still loves you. Jesus, Jesus bore with people. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention this. Uh, this is, this, this, uh, in, in, there was an interaction between Jesus and the rich young ruler. This is, if you if you're come to church here, you know, by far, I refer to this story and don't read that story the most. This, this is like the story that I refer to the most and don't, but don't read, just refer to it. There's this guy who's, who had all the marks of, you know, wealthy, rich, young, um, it, it, probably handsome. Like he, he was just had, like a guy who had everything in life. And he comes to Jesus, he's like, but still something's missing. And Jesus says, you know, well, if, if you want to be perfect, do this, 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 and this. And then the guy answers in this very cringeworthy manner, I've done all that. And everybody's like, oh, geez. Like, seriously? You've kept the law, like, perfectly? Because that's what you're saying right now. And everybody else goes, ugh. And, but Jesus it says, it's so interesting. I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, Luke's recording of this. He says, Jesus looked at the man and loved him. You and I would look at the man and scorn him. You're like, seriously, dude? Come on. You're, gonna, you're trying to make us all look bad. And, and it's not even right. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loves Nicodemus, too. And you'll see that here. You know, you perform signs and miracles. God, you, you, no one could do that unless God was with him. Verse 3, Jesus replied, and this is a classic Jesus. He's like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take that lead. You know, there's your opening statement. I'm going, you're going this direction, we're going over here, hard right. Very vi- truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. That, also, that phrase could also be translated born from above. So it's, it's, a, it's a, he's saying, you know, born again is it born from above. It's a spiritual statement he's making, right? How can, and then Nicodemus says this, how can, Someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born again. He goes super literal, okay? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. So we're not talking about, you know, anything here earthly. We're talking about heavenly things, kingdom of God, unless they're born of water and spirit, and, and there's, we're not quite sure what Jesus means there. There's, there's different takes on it. But one of them could be, probably the most plausible one is born of, of water means like, hey, you were born. Like, hey, how many of you here were, were born? Yeah, no one raised, literally no one raised their hand just now, which is 
rhetorical, right? It, but what, it, it's not a question of whether anyone's going to be born, right? We're all born. It's whether we're going to be born, again, born of the Spirit is what Jesus is saying here. Like we're going to have a, a, a spiritual rebirth or birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying this. You must be born again. And this is interesting, uh, verse 8. So this is a play on words here because he says the wind blows. The word wind in both Hebrew and Greek, this would have been written in Greek, the word wind, uh, uh, the word wind, spirit, and breath are all pneuma. It's all the same word. So he he just said, you should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. Again, you know, birth, you know, birth, spirit gives birth to spirit. Numa gives birth to Numa. The Numa blows, verse 8, Numa blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. I mean, we've all watched the wind. And it's here one moment, and then all of a sudden it's gone the next. I, I'm, dude, I'm trying to get this shot for, like, our, our stuff. And, and I can't get it. It's, it's, it's in the fall when aspen leaves are, like, like, it, when it hasn't been windy at all and the aspen leaves have just been dying and dying and dying, isn't it funny that we, like, entertain ourselves by things dying? Oh, it's so beautiful in the leaves. Like, I'm dying right now. Uh, it, but, like, I try to go and, and, and on a windy day, catch, it, catch a windy day after it's been a while of still and, and just, like, just that deluge of just whoosh leaves. But I can't figure it out because I can't figure out the wind. You know what I mean? I have yet to get the shot. I've been trying to get it for years. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What, in other, in what Jesus is trying to say here is, you know, when somebody's of God and the Spirit of God lives in them, they do some things that, like, oh, you're doing what? Are you going to do that right now? Yeah, I think I'm supposed to do that. That's what the Spirit does in our lives. It moves and it calls us to do things that we can't always tell where they're going or, or where they came from. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Verse 10, you are Israel's teacher. Like, 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 like Jesus is like, throw me a bone here, guy. Like, you... you I'm trying to talk spiritual things, and you keep taking it literally. Aren't you Israel's teacher? like spiritual teacher, and you do not understand these things, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of er- in earthly things, how, and, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak to you in heavenly things? And what Jesus is trying to do right here, he's trying to crack through Nicodemus's pride. You're a teacher of the law. I'm trying to enlighten you with spiritual things. And, and, and you are over here and I'm over here. And we can't, we can't find the common ground because you won't come to me. Nicodemus, you, you recognize, like, I, if I talk about earthly things, you guys don't even track with me. What if I talk about spiritual? What if I actually am from God and I have things to say spiritually that have implications for your life? Will you even hear them, Nicodemus? What's it going to take, Nicodemus, for me to crack through? And, and I, I pause and I, I ask the same question back to us. And this is for all of us. This is from, from anybody who's a, a, a strong Christian to a strong doubter. What will it take? 
for God to crack through in that one area of your life where he, where he wants to bring good, but you're like, you, you, you've played the trump card. You're like, yeah, we're not going there, God. Sorry. That's just me. That's who I am. You created me. We'll even do that. You created me this way, so I, I guess this is just who I am. So we are, we're there, ace of spades. And the only thing that God can't work with is that. So where is it for you? Where, where in your life is God out of love for you, trying to break through to you. We see it here with Nicodemus. Come on, Nicodemus, come with me. I know, I know you have your doubts. I know you're not sure. But, but just, just come with me. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're not exactly, you're not perfect spiritually. Maybe there's more to be had. Maybe the system that you're practicing in your spirituality is a broken system, Nicodemus. What if we broke it and we started anew? What if there was a, a rebirth in your faith, Nicodemus? I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And, and Nicodemus knows he's referring to himself, that Jesus is referring to himself right now, saying, I've been to heaven, Nicodemus. Just as Moses lifted up, and this, this, is, this is just weird what he says next. Just as Mo, you know, just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And that probably would have made more sense to Nicodemus because he was very familiar with the Jewish story of Moses. But here we get to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he did what people who are in love do. They give. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And honestly, you know, there's a lot of times where the Bible, you know, like certain things become popular, like Christmas is more popular than Easter. And it's like, if you're a Christian, you're like, but isn't Easter bigger? You know, everybody's born, but not everybody raises from the dead. You know, like that whole thing, like culture grabs things. This one that they grabbed, this, this, however this became the biggest verse in the Bible, it's a good one. Because it encapsulates exactly God's attitude towards you and me. And he loves us. And he loves us so much that he gave himself. And whoever believes in that somehow steps into the life that he wants to give us and has eternal life. And I love this. And, and here's what's great. We've got to keep reading. Because the next verses, they're, they're just as cool. But I understand, like, if you're going to have a favorite verse, you only have one. But these, these are cool, too. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn those full of pride. He, he didn't, he saw the pride. That's actually why he came, was because of our pride. To undo our pride, to try to knock and chink the armor and break our pride. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever doesn't believe stands condemned already because 
Not because of God's lack of trying, but because of our pride. Whoever doesn't believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God. His one and only son. If you've read Mere Christianity, you're familiar, maybe you're familiar with this quote from C.S. Lewis. It goes like this. I willingly believe, this is, this is C.S. Lewis talking now, I willingly believe that the, the damned, those who are in hell, are in one sense successful rebels to that, to that end. To that end? To that end. The doors of hell are locked from the inside. So, so we have this language of, of God detesting pride and, and uplifting the humble, or fav- even saying he favors the humble, but, but, but he also loves those who are prideful. And in, uh, in a sense, in Judgment Day, when that comes, when you and I are judged, whether we're prideful or humble, that's what it comes down to, is, is God saying, okay, your will be done. You, you, you've lived at odds with me for so long. I will allow that to happen. I will allow you to go to that end, and, and will go to that end as successful rebels, C.S. Lewis says. And that actually, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. You understand that? Like, like the, it's not like God locked the door and threw out the key. We locked the door and threw out the key in our pride. I don't know how that hits you. That, that's tough to hear. It makes me want to eat some humble pie. It makes me want to just, like, Lord, forgive me for the pride in my life. I don't want it to be there. If nothing else, I, I definitely don't want it. I don't want to play trump cards anymore with you where I'm just like, and then, you know, this, and since you did that, I can't. I just want to be done, and, and, and Lord, please, um, my relationships, the people in my life, would you spare me from my pride so I don't have this? But, and, and what's beautiful is the answer is pretty simple. If that's you, if, if, if pride is dominating our life, all we have to do is take steps towards humble. That's the good news. Because humble people got the most of Jesus. And the big question, and, uh, like maybe the question that heaven is, is watching and hanging on, is will we do that? What's interesting about this interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus is it just kind of ends. It evaporates. And there, we never hear again from Nicodemus in that passage. Jesus says all this stuff, and we don't know how it was received. I'd like to think that's probably because Nicodemus didn't know what to do or think. But he comes back later in the narrative, and I think he eventually came around to it. But I love the fact that it's open-ended right now, because that's where it is for us. What will you do with your pride? Will it rule in your life? Or will you do what it takes to root it out of your life? Because pride is, it, 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 it's, it's a showstopper. It's, it's a trump card. It's, it's something that breaks relationship time and time again if we're not careful. It's the only thing that God can't work with. 
He loved, and, and he, it's, it, the reason is he loves us too much to force himself upon us. As, as one of us said in a small group years ago here at CLC, it's like, it's like one, of the, one of the ladies said, it's like God's the truest gentleman of them all. He's not going to force himself on us. But he'll wait for us to respond to him. And the question is, will our pride get in the way? That's where we're going to leave it today. We have a song for you. It's called Come to the Table. And um, stay seated. Um, it's probably a song you don't know, so we're not going to sing it together. But I think it's going to hit you just right with what we're talking about here. So just, just words will be on the screen. Take this song in, and then at the end of it, we'll, we'll pray together. To the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fail, you've been forgiven, all who dream and all who suffer, all who loved and lost another, all the chained and 
Welcome to the table.